What's up guys, welcome to the Imperfect Swing Golf Podcast. This week we have a rising star um, in, in the local game here in South Africa and I'll leave it up to Dylan just to give us a quick overview of, of who he is. How's it going guys? How's it Shannon? Thanks for having me on. Um, I am 23 years old. My name is Dylan Naidu. I'm on the Sunshine Tour. Um, I recently came back from playing on the McKenzie Tour, it, now the Form Tour in, in the US. Um, I have been a professional golfer for the last two years, just over two years. Um, before that, having, uh, having gone to college in the US, played at the University of Arkansas. Um, I played for South Africa, uh, junior golf and amateur golf, and then went over. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a fun ride that golf has taken me on so far and uh, looking forward to the progress going forward. And, you know, you mentioned you've been a pro for two years now. You know, there's a big transition when you, you make that move from amateur to professional. Um, what would you say were some of the challenges you prepared yourself mentally, um, you know, when you were still in amateur and you were thinking, you know, this is what I'm going to have to do and versus the reality now of actually being a pro and the challenges you currently face? So I think it's, it's, you can look at it in two different ways, right? So there's the, the performance standpoint, the, the golfing performance standpoint and what that looks like. And what I had always done as an amateur was prepare myself for professional golf, even while I was playing amateur golf. That was always the goal. That was always what I wanted to achieve. So I feel like my process kind of got the, the, the progress got sped up exponentially when you do actually turn pro because it's not just this thought in your head. It's now actually time to perform and you can't just go, oh, you know, when I'm a professional, this will all kind of sort itself out. No, it actually needs to sort itself out, you know, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so that, that, that's been, I think probably the best thing for my golf game was to turn pro. Uh, which you hear people say and you go, yeah, okay, you don't really know what's happening. But honestly, that that need to perform right now, uh, the solutions that you think of will will impact you for longer than if you just have years and years to progress, you know. So that's been that's been quite interesting. Um, and then you get the the, the financial and, and lifestyle realities of what professional golf looks like. Um you know, I've, I'm quite fortunate. I've, I, I, I'm, I'm well off enough to be able to travel decently, to be able to, you know, have food that I need on the golf course, to be able to stay in the hotels that I need to while, while I'm on the road. But, you know, you see, you see a different reality for different guys on tour. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. You learn how much travel you can do at one time. You know, once I get to about five, six weeks. It, it starts to burn me out a little, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's fun to learn about yourself and learn about what, what works for you best, how you can uh, improve that aspect of it, your lifestyle, your fitness, your, your sleeping, all that type of stuff is, is a very big part of professional golf. And yeah, I think you mentioned, uh, you know, financial aspect. I think that's everything, you know, that's kind of the main key. I mean, you're, everyone can play golf at that level. You know, I think it's fair to say that if you go and tee it up with a pro in a social round, you'll probably shoot four or five under quite easily. And then you, you look at the, 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 the change in, in the pressure going from a social round with mates to playing for your livelihood now, because this is your job. Like you mentioned, once you make that change, it's all about now. There's no, okay, I'm going to 
play this round and I'm going to go hit balls for four, four hours on the range. This is like, you've got to play well for the next two rounds if you want to get a check. And I think mm. um, it, it's it's interesting the financial, um, how comfortable you are financially plays on that first two rounds of golf. And I mean, even when, when I mean, we, were am- we played amateur around about the same time, I found mm. myself thinking... You know, you, you're playing around at, for instance, we played Northwest at, at Lost City. Um, and I don't know if you remember mm. how long that those two rounds were. The, initially, yeah, it was like a seven-hour <laughs> seven rounds. And I, I teed off last on the first day. And I'd, I only played 13 holes. And we actually planned, me and my pops, that we would just drive back, um, you know, to Pretoria, Joburg. We'd stay somewhere there and then just drive back the next day. But you get told, mm. oh no, you know, play. Obviously, we only finished fourteen holes, and mm. you got to resume at like quarter to seven or something. And you're like, oh, now mm. we we in a bit of a pickle here. And Sun mm. <laughs> International wants to charge you like three three grand for a night. And I was just like, no, we we can. I'm sure we can sleep in. You know, just doze off in the car and like just yeah. have a shower and <laughs> shower in the morning. So I mean, like. Those are the things that were playing on my mind as an amateur, just because I'm thinking, mm. oh, let's save the, the parents a bit of cash here because, I mean, you know. Mm. So so going into that level now where, you, where it's your livelihood on the line, how much of a, a role do you think that plays with, with, with uh, professional golfers? You know, I went through a stage when, I, when I'd come back from the U.S. and I was still an amateur, just getting ready to turn professional. And the first few months when I had turned pro, of really, really worrying mm. um, about money, you know. Um, I'm not making enough, you know, I can't support myself. When am I going to be able to support myself? Do I need to do something else, like as a side hustle to yeah. to make some money to support myself, you know. And I, and I was going around in circles in my head about this. Um, and, you know, eventually I just spoke to my dad and I was like, hey, like I'm, I'm really worried about this. Like I'm really thinking about my own financial security. And he said, hey, you need to realize that you're not going to be financially secure for a little while. Like you aren't going to make enough money. It, that's yeah. just the simple fact about it, you know. And, uh, you know, I have I'm really lucky to have parents who are able to financially support me through my first year on tour um, and say, hey, you need to stop worrying about that and go play some golf, you know. And there's not a lot of people who have that opportunity, you know. Yeah. So it's... Uh, I, I fully understand Well, I don't fully understand because there are other guys who have far less than me who try to do this, but I have some idea of what it's like to, to worry about it. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I was fortunate enough to have parents who, who were able to tell me, you don't need to worry about mm. it. We've got your back and we're going to take care of you, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, it's it's a weird one because coupled with you know traveling experiences and the reality of being on tour, there comes the other uh, challenge of sponsors that that help you along that journey. Whether it being, you know, when when you're an amateur, you you can get away with playing with um, secondhand Pro V ones that are good condition. Mm. You know, like you you can get away with it. You know, it's not a it's not a biggie. Mm. You know, but when you're at again comes back to playing for your your check at the end of the month or the mm. week in this case mm. you you want to have everything as um kind of precise and to to the predictability of being brand new as possible so you know um whether it be balls clubs stuff along those lines how difficult has it been for you you know you're only two years in the game but have you picked up any 
of those those sponsors that have helped you in that sense and and you know is there a challenge for for players who don't have that that connection absolutely i think um what what good equipment um gives you is clarity you know that you know that what you've got is going to perform at the level that you need to perform at. You don't have to second guess and say, well, you know, maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to change that. You know, obviously there's, there's situations where things are not fitted properly, but they are brand new. Yeah. Um, and that that's probably just as bad as having something that's a little older that actually is fitted properly. Exactly. You know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate, you know, Titleist has, has taken me on board from a, from a ball cap and glove perspective not cap anymore, but ball, ball, glove and shoe perspective. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think one of the things that I was, uh, you know, expecting was having, having finished in the top 50 was that there would be more potential equipment sponsors out there who would reach out to me. But what I've found is that you need to reach out to them. There is no one who is going to reach out to you unless you are winning consistently on the Sunshine Tour and are in the top 10, pl- getting all the TV coverage in the world and co-sanctions. Then it's a different story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think what I've done is, you know, because I have this financial peace of mind, I've been able to say, OK, let me go to the cool clubs, for example, and test out whatever equipment equipment needs to be tested out and see what's going to work best for me, you know, and, and, and taking that as a little bit of a freedom more than a, a hindrance, you know, that, that I'm, I'm not bogged down by one uh, equipment sponsor and I can test out things and see what works best for me. So, yeah, it's been it's interesting and, and I've, I've been able to take the positives out of that more than anything. And, you know, moving into to professional golf, uh, there's no way around it. In, in a sense in the men's game and well when you look in golf as a, as a whole there's this movement towards inclusive and and equality in the game so from the women's mm, perspective mm. it's it's you know how do we get women's um, prize money and and coverage to the same level as men's and it's not to say one is better than the other but just equal opportunity and then we find ourselves within that you know st- you know striving for for equality we find the 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 diversity um, discussion as well. So what is your take currently? You know, golf, I mean, I've been in the game for probably not as long as you have been. Uh, it's probably been about over 10, maybe about 14 years or so. Um, what's your take on golf as a sport, you know, at the moment? And have you seen a big shift from when you got into the game till now? So I think it's, uh, I think what's been really interesting over the last few years is that drive towards women um, in golf. And understanding how difficult it is to um, to make it in women's golf, you know, if you're not in the top fifty, hundred in the world, it's you, you're not you don't have a livelihood in this game, unfortunately. You know, and yeah. that's not fair. It's not fair to only have such a small percentage of women earning earning enough to have a livelihood. You know, there there are women on the LPGA who aren't earning enough money to have a livelihood. Fortunately, they have you know more sponsors and bigger TV coverage, so that makes up for it a little bit. But you know, in this country, uh, it, the sad reality is there's, there's, there's just not enough money involved in women's golf to, to create anything, you know. Um, and I know a lot of the people behind the scenes and on the Lady Sunshine Tour who are, who are really pushing and really making an effort. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to see how far it's come in the last few years. Um, there's still a long way to go in women's golf. 
Um, but it's good to see that there are opportunities now to, I, I believe the winner or the, the, the top five finishers in the Cape Town Open or SA Open got a spot in the US Open. Yeah, um, yeah SA Open, yeah. And SA Open, yeah. And, and that that's how you create real visibility for South African women's golf is you have the winner of a local tournament end up there. That's going to attract more Europeans, more international players to come play in our events, you know. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a lead on to to d- inclusion and diversity within the men's game too. Um, you know, it's been, there's been some really good programs in place in the, in the men's game um, from the, from the youth setup all the way through to professional golf. Um, and I think it's really difficult to, to start from a perspective uh, that, only um, this small group of, of, of players of color on the Sunshine Tour, there needs to be a guy who becomes top 10 in the world, plays on the PGA Tour. You know, the, 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 the depth is just not quite there yet yeah. you know, in, in, terms of the, in terms of professional golf. Um, and so then you need to say, okay, well, why is that? Why do we not have that depth within the uh, players of, of color in, in, in the, on the Sunshine Tour, you know? Um, one of the things you can go all the way back to, to grassroots level with this, you know, in, in golf in general, it's not only in South Africa that you have this, these boundaries to access, you know, Mm. it's not that easy to, to have golf clubs, have golf balls, have a golf course to practice on it. That it's very different from, from soccer or athletics where you can actually reach a, a reasonably high level with nonsense equipment. You know, you can't do that in golf. It's, there's, there, 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 there's levels to it and um you know we probably have a few superstars who just never decided to play golf you know and that's the the sad reality of it you know um you have you have this issue where that, does the person have enough talent do they have the financial support and structures around them and then when you have both then you create um stories like like James Kumte had in, in periods of his golfing career where yeah. you have the talent of Papua Sugulam who was able to overcome what he was able to overcome, you know, Tiger as well, who was, who had this, this insane talent, but also had some financial backing and, and became the, the greatest golfer who's ever lived, you know, and, and it's, those stories are, are, are a culmination of all these aspects put together, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you, you bring a, I think the most important point is access. It's like you have mm. these these stories, like for instance, the Corda family. So it's like okay, the 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 father won a a, a tennis major, you know, the Australian Open, and then you have um, Jessica and Nelly, who are obviously two of the you know they're in the top ten, I think, in the world in the women's game. Mm, mm. And you have the brother who's now playing um, Grand Slams, and and mm. the question comes to oh no, it's it's a great sporting family. Sure, there's a lot of talent there, but it comes down to they have access to to these sports. You know, they could mm, be picking mm. up clubs at four four years old, three years old. They could be picking up clubs and, and going for little lessons when they're six, you know. So it's like, yes, talent is, is a massive thing, but you can only realize talent with access to the sport. <laughs> it's it's Absolutely. like it's, Absolutely. it's the only way um, to, to kind of get that, that ball rolling um, in terms of development. And I think... Uh, we, I mean, I speak on my behalf. I mean, there's times where you had golf clubs and, and these are golf clubs of all um, kind of income brackets, if you want to put it that way, you know, in terms of mm, uh, mm, mm, mm. 
status. You where mm. as a person of color, you feel this uneasiness, and it's difficult to 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 explain it to some. And when you explain it to, for instance, a person, a white person, they don't quite understand what you're saying because you know they'll never understand. But mm. you know, on for yourself, I mean, now you've also entered the professional game. You're part of this elite, you know, one percent of golfers. Do you mm-hmm. think um, golf communities need to to take a, a look? within the community itself and see how best to to open up you know you mentioned the boundaries and open up these gates for for people of color to feel a bit more welcome and comfortable in in these environments and that can only help the the actual golf community as a whole absolutely i think as a whole if you were to look at the 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 data or the information around Mm. people of color in south africa the number of social golfers has has increased exponentially um and that's that's a very positive thing and i think it's if you go to clubs like ccj for instance i you know i have no affiliation with any golf club at the moment so i could you know say what i need to say about (laughs) there's there's a there's there's a big uh there's a big drive towards having these these uh black players involved yeah and it's it's really it's very clear when you enter the club that it's slightly Mm. more welcoming than it used to be um and i think there's i think there's a lot of room for improvement um, I think we are at a stage in golf where everyone needs to be welcome. Women need to be more welcome at golf courses. People of color need to be more welcome at golf courses. And, you know, from where it was, there's, there, a lot has changed and there's mm. still going to be a lot that does change going forward. And, you know, we talk about this because um, I feel like golf, has, it's, it's been a slow moving train towards this inclusion mm. and and diversity why do mm. you think um it's 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 the slow progress with golf do you think um you know if you look at for instance even with the 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 black lives matter movement that was taken mm. um that that basically impacted the entire world and and sports in general mm. as well you know golf was one of the silent more silent sports there were only a few players that really spoke out on it and i think you can literally count them on one hand that actually mention mm. that in 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 interviews or, or social media or anything like that. Why do you think there's this? Um, it, it's almost like there's a fear in in talking about you know diversity and 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 the the realities that lie within the game. Absolutely, and I think it's it's as simple as 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 the fact that most businesses involved with golf are predominantly. Um, run or execute their their sponsorship programs are not executed by people of color. Hmm. They're generally executed by um, white people. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that as, as professional golfers, we all know that that's the case. You know, it's not something that, that we need to talk about, but by, by pushing those boundaries and pushing those, uh, those narratives you exclude yourself from those financial benefits that could potentially be there. You know, I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have um, Dr. Kinesh Patha and, and National on board. You know, I, I spoke to them before we started this interview and just had a discussion about it. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's that, that many uh, sponsors who are willing to let their athletes talk about this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, there are there are positives if you look at someone like Cameron Champ who is able to you know push those push those narratives and push those agendas. 
um, even someone like Tony Finau, who's who's a person of color. He's not necessarily black, but yeah. he has kind of been lumped into this person of color black situation. You know, he's and and you know it's it's interesting to see how they try to uh, to build these narratives and and you know Cameron Champ has been able to uplift people in his community, which is is the most important thing at the end of the day. Even Harold Varner the third, you know, um, and I think. There, there are avenues by which you can do this and make a positive impact too. It's not only about talking about these terrible, awful topics. It's about hmm. celebrating the, the, the diversity and inclusion that is available in professional golf, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if you... Can you recall how you got into the game? Was there somewhere that you'd go and practice at a young age? Or, you know, where where was that? And, and how did you how did you get in? Obviously, your your you know, family and, and often the, you know, you, you have family that plays that massive role. Um, what, what, what was it for you? So my dad would take me to, I, I played basically whatever sports my dad played. So yeah. I played, uh, a lot of cricket, a lot of tennis and a lot of golf. Those are the three sports I mainly played. And, uh, he took me to, to practice at world of golf. World of golf was the place where I yeah. grew up playing golf, you know? Um, and you know, it's such a, a simple thing. I, I was probably five or six years old. I have no idea that it cost him 150 bucks every single time we go to world of golf. Mm. Um, but you know, that, that's where my love for golf blossomed. I was able to practice as much as I want to. I didn't have to have someone hit tennis balls to me or bowl a cricket ball at me. I could just practice the whole day. You could drop me off in the morning and I'd be there the whole day and enjoy myself. And my mates would be there because they also had 150 bucks to pay to get in. Um, And uh, yeah, I think it's such a small thing, but that little act, that little uh, boundary to access is there. And you, when you have money, you don't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know, you know, with with in my case, uh, and this is why uh, Soweto Country Club is is so close to me, is because I started off playing mm. at Pum. Well, then it was called Pumville, um, mm. and in in Lens where I grew up, mm. there was this driving range that was uh, next to a train a train line, and mm. you know, just thinking about it now, if it weren't for those facilities, we I probably wouldn't have gotten into the game at that stage it may have mm. come at a later stage maybe once i started mm. working for a corporate and there's golf days and oh you're like oh this is golf you know um mm, which is the mm, case mm. now for 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 most people of color now getting into the game mm. it's it's because of the corporate value as well they're like oh you know you get invited to these opportunities and now you have to turn them down because you don't play golf so yeah so that, yeah exactly that's that big mm. spike you you mentioned of, of people of color playing golf there's a lot of mm. um young businessmen you know our age who are now mm. seeing the value in and also being a part of this community but you know um yeah the, i mean it was 20 rand for a round of golf at pumville 20 rand we used to pay the car guard more to look after the car um <laughs> than to play and i think you know it, it comes to you know f- firstly city of joburg have done a great job with with um you know finessing that that facility and i think mm. along with the sunshine tour as well um, you know, what's your, your take on, on potentially seeing, I mean, the women have their, their Joburg open there on a regular, you know, every mm. year basis, but do you think, uh, we should probably see a sunshine tour event there at some point, even if it's, if it's a different format, you know, a bit more fun, 
a longer points perspective because it may not be mm. the the championship course uh, you know like a, mm. in terms of length but it it could present itself in 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 another way Absolutely. So we played, uh, there was a big easy that was hosted there, the very first mm. big easy that was hosted there. And it was a, it was very important for me to play that event. Um, yeah. I made a, a, a specific point of playing it because that golf course is where we are going to produce maybe not the highest performing golfer in South Africa, but the person with the biggest success story in golf, mm. you know, coming from, coming from that area, being able to play professional golf and being able to provide for a family is a massive success story in itself, you know? Um, and I really enjoy the golf course. I think it's a fantastic little track. Um, we played it in summer just before it was for the pro-am for the South African open. We played mm. the, the pro-am at, at Soweto country club and it was awesome. It was in fantastic condition and it was just a lot of fun to be able to play out there. Um, and they've done, I mean, Bongi Mokaba and her team have just done phenomenal stuff out there. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for her and everything she's done for the game, as well as everyone involved from the Sunshine Tour perspective. And, you know, moving forward, what, what do you think, you know, if you could, let's say you had the, the, the control arms for the golfing community, what, what are some of the stuff you'd like to see implemented in whether it be a golf club or, you know, just in, in general, what, what do you think is the way forward in, in terms of um, kind of moving the needle on, uh, you know, diversity or inclusion? Um, so I had a really interesting conversation with my sponsor about this question because, you know, it's very meaningful and you need to be able to do something meaningful with whatever uh, control you have, you know, hmm. and this is my little uh, piece of advice I can give to whoever's in charge, you know. Um, <laughs> and f for for me, uh, I look at I look at all these different um, uh, programs, initiatives in place. You know, you have SAGDB and the fantastic work that they're doing. You know, you and Rupert and and Leopard Creek and being able to allow those kids to practice out there. Um, you have Ernie Else and his foundation, which was. I don't know if it's still associated with Fancourt, but Ernie Alston Fancourt mm. Foundation. Um, and, you know, what I would really love to see, even Louis Oersteisen and his program, the what I'd really love to see is slightly more pooling of those resources to actually have a streamlined path towards developing kids. Mm. Um, sometimes it feels like it's a little bit scatterbrained. You know, I, I don't know the, the ins and outs. I'm just saying from my outside perspective. Yeah. Um, that's what it feels like. It feels like if we could pool all the resources together uh, and make one cohesive unit of development in South Africa, which, you know, it, it's not easy to do, but I feel like there's a, there's, is a stronger direction that we can take some of these programs. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, um, you know, when you look at... Uh, for instance, uh, women, you know, when they talk about equality and women's programs in, in all mm. facets, whether it be sports or in, in the workplace, you know, you often find a man is at the forefront of these um, decisions. And I think mm. in, in some cases with, you know, these diversity um, programs and, and things like that in the development side, um, only having... Um, for instance, white people at the forefront of, of these uh, programs 
is also mm. a handicap in a sense because you need someone there with the first-hand experience and the first-hand kind of know, you know, like you mentioned, you need to feel that that relation to the to the problem mm. to mm. to fully grasp mm. what needs to be done. And I think mm. from from my perspective, if you can start including these, you know, people of color in these decisions and and in the building of these programs, you'll see a lot more. Mm fruit to be bared from from these programs absolutely and i think it's uh it's an interesting discussion because you know us as as indian men we also have have a role to play in this because of our, mm. of our proximity to to these these uh these power structures yes you know? we are slightly closer to these power structures and we can make a difference in our communication you know it's not as easy for uh, someone, uh, a black individual, African black individual from Soweto to be able to raise these points because they have yeah. no audience with that group of people, you know? Um, and I think even, even again, putting some, putting an Indian person in charge of that, does that send the right, is, is the optics correct on that? Is it not? How do you, how do you do this so that everybody involved feels that buy-in feels invested and you need white investors in, in these programs. Yeah. That's one of the most important parts of it. Um, you know, so there's no point alienating those people. They need to be, they need to feel just as strongly about it as you and I feel. Um, and it's, a, it's not an easy, it's, there's so much give and take and there's so much, so many balancing acts in it. But at the end of the day, everybody wants transformation to take place. Everybody wants to have those development stories and those success stories happen. It's just, how do you do it in a way where everyone feels that buy-in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, and and that's where you know that cohesiveness. I think that that you brought up earlier is is where the best way forward. You know, trying to mm. pull everyone pulling the same in the same direction, and not mm, to to mm, kind mm, of mm. you know separate various organisations and, and that kind of thing. And and I think you know with golf being such an individual sport, you know maybe that's sometimes why we find ourselves often questioning. You know, when when there's a collective outcome that needs to 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 be found. We, we often find ourselves scratching our head thinking why, but I think, you know, the nature of the game is such an individual, you know, sport that we, sometimes the decisions are also individual in, in the mindset. But I think, um, you know, slow, slowly and surely we are moving towards that, that narrative of, you know, transformation, no matter how we get there, that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And it's that, that, that's why golf is such a tricky sport to, to implement all these transformation and, and development mm. programs, because at the end of the day, so I'm, I'm involved with the, I'm on the place committee and on the transformation committee on the sunshine tour, because it's, it's something that's very important to me. Um, and at the, the thing is that you, with golf, our entire system is based around merit, mm. based around performance and based around merit. So who really deserve from, from our transformation committee discussions, who really does, who really needs that extra money? Is it the yeah. players who are making the most money? Is it the players who are making the least money? Is it someone in between who needs that extra little jolt of cash to be able to push their game to the next level? And that's a difficult one to say because, yeah. you know, most people would say it, it sh surely it should go to the people who are playing the best. Well, is is that extra little bit of money? Is it going to make a difference to them? Hmm. I don't know, you know. Um, and these are the things I sit and grapple with a lot because you know, <laughs> you need at the end of the day, what, what do you want out of transformation? That that's always the question I come back yeah. to. Is, do you want do you want 
two or three superstars who are able to take their games to Europe, able to push themselves onto a level that can inspire youngsters coming forward? Or do you want a bigger group of players playing on the Sunshine Tour at a good level? And there's there's no right or wrong answer, but you need to come up with a, with an answer to that before you can push forward any discussions, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's that clarity, you know, that, that, that um, intention. Intention is always key mm. in every action. Mm. And I think... You know, with 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 everything, if you have a clear out um, outset and the intention of mm. what the outcome needs to be, you know, it's it's much easier to execute. And I think that that point of 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 you know what what do you want out of it is is massive. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think you know, with me working, for instance, I, I've done a lot of work on the Sunshine Ladies Tour. I find mm. myself so closely relating to their struggle of. You know, it's it's a close relation between you know POC and and women because there is that struggle mm. for, and and it's not one in the same, but there is that in the game of golf where you you kind of fighting for a bit of attention and a bit of funding, mm. you know, from that perspective. Mm. And I think that's why I find myself kind of relating to that 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 tour so much is because we, I mean, th- those are things that we thought about at one stage as well. Mm, 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 absolutely, and I think the um, the the I, I'm not as as familiar with all the ins and outs of what happens on on the, yeah. on the ladies tour, but it seems like there's been a drive towards having more events, mm. putting more prize money in place. It feels like things are are happening in a in a in a meaningful way on that tour. I, d- I don't know enough about it, but yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. And and having the conversations with with other ladies professionals, it feels like there there's really something to play for now. Versus sometimes there's there really wasn't anything to play for in South Africa at all. Yeah, so with Investec, I think they've they've made massive you know inroads with with growing the the ladies tour. For instance, having all four days, well, yeah, all four days of the the women's SA Women's Open televised is massive. Um, mm, mm. You know that that that's one way of of growing the game, and that's where you see that there is this like um, hunger f- to see women, you know, local women's golf. I mean, we we hardly see um, even the European golf here, let alone um, local golf. So. Mm. I think uh, you know Investec has done great work. They they obviously have the intention of growing the game, and I think it takes someone like Investec to to bring the other sponsors in. And I think slowly we are seeing that that kind of build out in in, in a big way. Absolutely, and you can you you saw a similar thing on the on the Sunshine Tour with the with the Gary Player class mm. um, and having those sponsors involved. Obviously, the 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 timing of the of the pandemic just was was just obviously for a lot of people it was terrible yeah. but for for our transformation class in particular it, it was as well because our the contract ended in march of 2020 yeah i mean it's right at the time when everything kind of went crazy um so yeah but i i i feel very confident that um as as we have more and more success stories in in our transformation group as the likes of Keenan Davidson and Toto Timba continue to push forward, and hopefully myself. Hopefully, I can play some decent golf, um, and uh, you know, can can continue to to attract those sponsors, not only for ourselves but for for this the entire group as a whole. Yeah, and I think you know that that's the the way forward is is to see the the bigger pictures. You know, this these programs and these. Um, you know, initiatives might not impact our immediate group as much, 
but the intention should be for the future to benefit as much from it and so we see a bigger group um, come through in, in the near future. So I think, you know, with that in mind, that's that's the way, you know, it's good to see short-term success as well. You know, don't get me wrong, that, that builds for, for better investment and, and so on. But but the, the it comes back to intention. You want to kind of have this as a long-standing um, channel to, to, to grow golf in, in, in every way. Absolutely, and that's that's why I've 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 tried to work as closely as I can with uh, with Thomas App, Sol and Nathan, and, and Ludwig Manyama, and you know try and put my input into this as much as I can. I'm just one person of many who are who are working really hard on this. Um, yeah, and I think I think you can. I I really believe that the Sunshine Tour does a a pretty good job with transformation. You know, compared to. Um, you know some of the structures underneath which don't really care that much about transformation mm. you can see a real clear drive you know for for me um i the only reason i played in the dunhill in my first year on tour is because i earned one of those play of color spots yeah um and and having done that i i finished in the top 25 in the event and it's changed the entire path of my career you know um it was the first of 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 many good events but it was the first one Exactly, um, and and you know to to be able to have those opportunities is the most important thing, and hopefully moving forward we'll be able to to see those opportunities pushed even further with these these coming challenge tour and, and European tour co-sanctioned events coming up. Yeah, yeah, they they have done a great job, and I think that that you know we're starting to see a bit of that you know come out in the order of merits, you know, with yourself, mm, Toto, mm. Keenan. Um, mm. And and I think slowly we'll see that group grow and, and the, the results mm. will improve in, in due time. But mm. with that, Dol, you know, what, what's up for you in the next few weeks? I know we've got a busy schedule coming up. Uh, you know, can you take us through a bit of what's planned for, for you? So we've got the the, the next uh, event at, at Wingate Park. I believe it's a Times Square uh, event at Wingate Park, um, which is just a fantastic golf course and so much fun to play um and then following that it is uh Sishen, the event at uh, out in katu um probably going to play that it's always a an interesting event with some some different strategies off the tee and yeah. uh, you know it, it's a fun golf course uh and then after that i'm probably going to be heading to europe um hopefully to play in a challenge tour event um, and then after that, I'm playing Corn Ferry Q School. So out in the US, nice. um, I'll be there from uh, kind of the beginning, middle of September and get my card on the Corn Ferry Tour. That's the plan. I'm going to go through all three stages. And, uh, you know, like my buddy Garrick Hugo did in, in on the European Tour, I'm, I'm planning to do that on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, when you seeing when you see fellow uh, players that you've competed against in, at the amateur level and professional level succeed at that level does that just give you that extra bit of push as well yeah you, you have no idea you have no idea i mean we i know garrick very very well and to be able to message i messaged him just before the the, the after the third round on that pga tour event yeah we won. um and I just had this weird feeling. I just I knew he was going to get it done. But yeah, to to know someone like that and be able to say, hey, you've gone from being a good player, you know, you know, you've won you won a European Tour event, a smaller one, to being in the top fifty in the world. And 
what happened? What what made you this better player all of a sudden? You know. Yeah. And and he's a he's a great dude, and he 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 gives you all the time in the world if 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 you know him well enough. And um, I appreciate guys like that. You know, I've like Yvan Rabula playing in the Masters. I've had a teammate of mine playing the Masters who's won on the on the Latin American tour as well. So you know, knowing these guys, knowing that. Yes, golf is, is, is defined by the fine margins. And yeah, they are really good players, but I am just as good as those guys, you know? 100%. Mm. And with that, Dole, thanks for, for your time, your input. Um, I think, uh, you know, this is important conversations that need to happen on a, on a more regular basis and, and not with the fear of what the outcome may be. I think, you know, like we've mentioned plenty of times on this uh, in this chat, you know, your intention is key. As long as the intention is there, we, you know, you don't have to, to be fearful in any way. No. Yeah. We, as long as we communicate clearly and as long as everyone wants the best, um, for diversity and inclusion, which I, I mean, I, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't. Um, and I, I, I just think that there's, there's good discussion and meaningful discussion to be had. Um, and yeah, I appreciate you having me on.